Sally Tierney, the owner of Clear Path Forward, an advocacy investigation firm in Virginia. And I love listening to the PI Perspective podcast because Matt interviews so many investigators that bring their unique expertise to the show. I've learned so much from them and look forward to every single episode. Thank you, Matt. The Campbell Group has teamed up with PI Perspectives to offer listeners top-notch, affordable insurance solutions. Private investigators can get insurance for their business for as low as $305 per year. Apply now at PIPerspectivesInsurance.com and receive a quote back within 24 hours. Do you enjoy our podcast and the guests we bring you? Since 2019, Matt and his team have done their very best to give you amazing shows each week. If you feel like our show has helped you to be a better investigator, or maybe even inspired you to become an investigator, please let us know. We're looking for testimonials. Drop Matt an email with a recorded 20 to 30 seconds of you talking about this podcast. You can also email him something verbal about the website. His email is S at SatellitePI.com. And if you really feel blessed for having this content, consider supporting Matt and our show by joining Investigators Toolbox. You really have to see version 2.0. And at just 49 cents a day, it's a no-brainer. Now let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to PI Perspectives. This week, we begin our annual look into the Osmosis Conference. Today's first guest is Jeff Teagues. Jeff is the founder of Skull Games. This is a competition to rescue missing and exploited children through OSINT. Jeff's topic at Osmosis is the five SOF truths and OSINT. This episode will give you a sneak peek, so please welcome Jeff Teagues and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this segment of PI Perspectives, the Osmosis 2023 edition. Today, I'm really, really excited to uh, welcome Jeff Teagues to the program. Jeff does a really special thing. Um, we've talked about it before. It's called Skull Games. Uh, we've had uh, Buddy Jericho on before talking about this, and it's such a great charity. It's such a great um, thing that they do rescuing uh, people that are involved in sex trafficking. Um, usually in, in January, uh, we, we like to focus on this stuff because it is Sex Traffic Month. But uh, today we are bringing more light to it. And uh, Jeff is actually speaking at Osmosis. And uh, I wanted to dive in, welcome him to the program, and just uh, talk a little bit about what he's talking about. So uh, that's my long-winded intro. So <laughs> Jeff, welcome to the segment. How are you? Matt, thanks. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate the support you've already showed to Skull Games. You know, as we've as we've iterated and and refined and made things better and meet new people and meet new hardware, it's uh, it's really starting to come together. With October, the Skull Game in New Orleans, uh, right in conjunction with OsmosisCon, was really what we are considering our grand opening. So everything we've done to date has just been precursor. We're really looking for something big in October. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you guys have been out uh, into different uh, parts of the state, uh, which I think is great because you have people that come in person, but you also have people that work remotely. So uh, for those that aren't aware of Skull Games, um, tell me a little bit about what it does and what the purpose is. So Skull Games is born out of this recognition that there are more women and children being abused than our law enforcement can handle. So when I got out of the military and I was looking at what were my skills what was it that I enjoyed? It, part of it was building these task forces. It was getting the right people focused towards a particular mission. And when I began to lay that over sex trafficking, where could we be value added? Where could we be a force multiplier? It really is on the commercial sex side of it. So if people know it or not, there are escort sites all across the world, many of them right here in the United States. There's really four or five that are predominant. Many people know of, of Backpage, which was hugely the monopoly years ago and when that was broken down it's it fractured the industry but there are all these sites where you can go online and order up a woman mm -hmm. and the women some of them are minors because they're being exploited manipulated and they're easier to control not that there's a huge market for these younger women that's a that's a pedophilia that's a whole nother segment right. of the market that we do <laughs> it's another show one. yeah yeah but in the commercial underground sex industry, there's 150,000 new ads a day. At any given time, there's 3 million ads out there. 
and we don't know who these women are and we don't know who, who their exploiters are. So we've democratized this idea of identifying these victims and who might be exploiting them and pushing that information to law enforcement as, as a lead, as a tipper. So when they decide that they're going to go out and conduct an operation to offer this young lady a new path to freedom and some resources to alter the course of her life and put away that predator that's been exploiting her, they've already got two, three steps into the game where they can be much more effective. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, and for those that don't know, you come from a special forces background, right? Um, I do. Uh, yep. Serving in the army and uh, such a great career. And there's certain things that you learn. There are certain techniques, uh, uh, special, uh, I guess the, the, uh, the methodology of doing things. Right. And, and I think that's, what you're teaching about at, at osmosis, you're going to cover some of those truths and ways of doing things, right? Yeah. So I, I you know, I was, I joined the military right out of high school. I was 17 years old. So I, I largely grew up in the special operations community. And at first it was just kind of an adventure for me. And then I, I had a break in service and went to college and came back in and it really became my profession mm-hmm. and the profession of, of building these teams and understanding what is the technology out there um, and operations and, and intelligence fusing all this. Mm-hmm. And when you're in special operations, army, special forces, uh, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Things happen that you don't even recognize. And one of these things that was happening that I didn't recognize was somewhere along the line. Is, I, I, I couldn't even tell you how long it's been now, Matt. It's probably 15 years. Was they created these special operation forces truths, these soft truths. Um, I had nothing to do in developing them. But when I came across them, I, I thought it was remarkable. Okay. And when to, to apply the soft truths that fit to how we view special operations, it is absolutely a beautiful fit to take it over and lay it right on top of open source intelligence and sure. that as a burgeoning profession in and of itself. Sure, sure. No, it's, it, it's great how it all kind of ties in and, and the light bulb goes off and you're like, wow, I can yeah. actually use this post-military career um you know I, i'm a big fan of special forces my director of operations uh, for my own business um is special forces and oh, uh, really yeah yeah he's great um really uh just that that organization um that he brings and he's he's gonna be there at osmosis with me which i'm i'm really psyched so uh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah i told him i'm like you need to be in the room because there's gonna be a lot of people <laughs> here that you're gonna you're gonna want to network with yeah he's a great guy i uh, got out uh maybe five years ago, uh, kicked around okay. a couple other companies. And then, uh, I was able to, uh, to convince him to kidnap and do whatever, uh, to, to, uh, to come work with me. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you've got this, this, uh, track that you're bringing here. What do you think that, uh, you hope that people that, that sit in on your training, like, what do you, what do you want them to walk away with? You know, Really, it's the it's the top bullet, the top truth of the soft truths, and it it I didn't change it at all to apply it to OSINT. Is humans are more important than hardware. Right. I think as 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 we look at technology, we look at AI, we look at machine learning, we look at vast amounts of data, and we and we're building all of this software and all of these applications to sort through that data and all of that. It, all of that pales in comparison with with the human. Uh, I'm not one of these guys who's worried about AI taking over the world, right? Because they don't, they don't have that sentience. They don't have that yeah. relationship. Allegedly. Uh, and that <laughs> right. human being, that, yeah. that, that human computer is, is faster and oftentimes more accurate yeah. than, than anything that can be automated. You know, people, people forget that, that that computer is recalling information that a human put into it, you yeah. know? And one of, one of the pieces that we're really proud of with Skull Games is we it's our survivor hunter program which i know you were, were able to witness some of that yeah so yeah, we, we have been that have come out of the illicit commercial sex industry and now they're hunters and what they're able to see when it comes to facial recognition and, and identifying brands and tattoos and verbiage and acronyms and all this type of stuff is way faster than a computer so mm-hmm. to harness technology with the human that is the beauty of it. And I think uh, as open source intelligence is, is working to establish its standards within the fields of different different types of intelligence, they can never lose focus on, on the human aspect of it because that yeah. is the thing 
that will always be your cutting edge advantage. It isn't the piece of software itself. Sure. Yeah. And there's always going to be that human factor, right? I think it's why we all can feel safe that we're going to have jobs. I know that was one of the concerns with AI uh, when it first started like gaining some steam, you know, especially in the intelligence community, people were like, oh crap, <laughs> like, you know, do we really have to worry about whether or not we're going to have a job? But, you know, you're, you're seeing the, um, the liabilities here, you know, where, you know, it's, it's pulling things and, and it's saying things that aren't factually correct. Um, right. I, I recall recently just reading an article about uh, some case briefings, right? The attorney had, uh, there was some litigation going on and they had a memo of law where they cited like three different cases and using chat GPT and it was completely false. Like those three cases don't exist. And, you know, thankfully the, the, the clerk for the judge was like, let me check on these. And it was found to be completely false. And, you know, the judge wrote a, a, a strong opinion about it and said, Hey, you know, shame on you. Don't let it happen again. But if anyone does this again, it's sanction time. Right. So, you know, it, it's great that we have these tools, but that human element is always going to be there. It needs to be there. Um, there always has to be uh, a set of eyes on on everything for sure. Um, so, and I, uh, Skull Games, and how long has it been, I'm sorry, um, Skull Games. How long has it been around? So we're we're going on about 18 months. So it was it was January of what would that be? 2022 mm-hmm. was when we launched the first event down in in Tampa. Uh, that was in conjunction with Buddy Jericho. And I think we had about six people playing. And then this last one was in New Jersey at Hetherington Group with Cynthia Hetherington. Um, and we had 50 people in person and another 50 people playing remotely. So Amazing. in the course of a year and a half, it's grown exponentially. Um, and we think we're probably going to stabilize at a couple hundred in person, a couple hundred playing playing online, because that'll get a little bit unwieldy. But you know what, what? What's interesting? What what uh, what you just did, Matt? Unbeknownst to you, was we just rolled right into the second truth of soft, oh, which well, the soft truth, which is quality is better than quantity. So okay. that you know, what I mean, so when we started with just a handful of people, and we, and we began to expand, we you reach a breaking point of where quantity is the answer, right? Like yeah. you you if you're if you're building something. Uh, a lot of bodies is what you need initially, you know, to, to stand all that stuff up as it gets more complicated, as it gets more sophisticated, it's not just bodies and elbow grease. It's, it's the, it's the right people. So from, from six to a hundred, um, we're, we're at that breaking point. We're now the quantity is, is outweighing the quality and it, and it right. forces us to go back a little bit, look at our pipeline. Who, who are we recruiting? Who are we assessing? Who are we bringing into skull games? What does our training look like? Um, and that's the ebb and flow that we're going to be playing with over the next year. Um, and you'll even see it when we when we're down in New Orleans. Yeah. What we're developing down there is is a production cell. So even when you talk about the leads, so let me let me walk you on this quality is better than quantity sure. idea, not just with people, but with the process. So before we host a Skull Games event, we will scour these escort ads in these cities that the law enforcement is participating with us with us. And we'll look for about 150 to 200 ads that we think have trafficking indicators. And those will get handed out to the Skull Games Task Force. And out of that then will come 50, 60 leads of victims identified and another 30-ish of of the predators. So you can see we go from thousands and thousands and thousands down to 150, down to about 50. Well, there's even one more ratchet that's required, and that is that that higher quality so that when we hand that lead to law enforcement for action, they can take action immediately. Right Right. now, we've got a little bit of cleaning up to do. We're two weeks uh, post the last Skull Games, and we're just putting the bows on some of these leads to send forward. So the, the people, quality and quantity is that balance. Same with the products that we're providing law enforcement. Um, so it's, it's an interesting, you know, iterative process that we continue to go through. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And um, are, are you still forming teams of like uh, a researcher, a law enforcement uh, person and a, you know, someone who's been rescued? Is that still the formula there? Or are you tweaking that a bit too? No, that, that is, that's the core formula. So on each, mm-hmm. on each team uh, we've got a, a you know, a, a team leader that's, that's experienced and been at a, to a bunch of, of, the, of the different events, a survivor, law enforcement, 
and then a couple of the IT whizzes. But because we've got that quantity now where our teams are made up of about 15 to 20 people in person and about the same that are working virtually, now we're running into that human, human problem of locus of control. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which, you know, the, the standard is, is, is around five or six people you can successfully manage and lead. So now, in addition to our team leaders that are super high quality, we are reinforcing and building new leadership positions within our assistant team leaders, our IT folks. You know, something that came out of the last of, of games in New Jersey was even the self-care. You know, these these participants are looking at some pretty horrible stuff day oh, in, yeah. day out. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. Who do we have designated to take a time out with them and give that give them an opportunity kind of you know, get, get, get a freshness, you know, what, what do we employ? So there's, there's all these aspects that we're tightening up. And I think that's, what's part of it. That's so exciting um, is we just keep, we keep working towards all of that. That's fantastic. That's really great, man. And it's, it's really awesome to see you grow. Um, Where do you hope to be next year or or the year after that? Where where do you see all this going? Well, I, my, we know our big, hairy, audacious goal is a hundred law enforcement entities working with us and, and a thousand analysts that are, are vetted and, and capable. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going to come first. We're, we're at about 30 law enforcement agencies and about 400 analysts. So again, those are just kind of some, some bulk numbers, but I will be satisfied that Skull Games has really arrived and we've, and we've reached an operational tempo that mm-hmm. can really keep pressure on this trafficking enterprise across the u.s and we can pull off a skull games every month so when we're doing a skull games once a month that's 12 a year in various cities hunting about 20 to 30 cities at a time that is when we're really going to get these traffickers on their heels and as we get them on their heels these women and children are going to feel much more comfortable and confident to come forward and take the resources that are waiting for them that's amazing that's amazing all right. So folks, October 15th through 17th, um, down in uh, the Crown Plaza in New Orleans, Louisiana is the ninth annual osmosis conference. Um, you definitely want to check it out. If you go to osmosisinstitute.org, uh, just click on the conference icon and you'll get uh, more information on this. Jeff, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and, uh, you know, obviously hearing more. And I- I'm sure by the time I get there in, in October, you're going to have a, a report of even more cool things that have been happening. Um, it's great. And we gave a little tease, right? We got, we only did two, two of the five. So you got, I was just going to say, you got three, you got two of the soft truths. There are three more waiting for you. So yeah, it's a little sneak peek. The rest. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you for uh, being a part of this program uh, and, and really giving back to, um, you know, to the community and, and uh, just having the, the foresight and the wherewithal to put it all together. So Okay, so that's it for this segment. Thank you so much, Jeff, and uh, everybody sit tight. We'll, uh, we'll have another segment for you. Take care. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Specializing in the research of liability for personal injury claims, Pacific Liability Research offers insurance assessments of all applicable liability coverages to help determine what a case is potentially worth. Have a case with no insurance policy? Since 2019, the highly trained staff on their insurance discovery team has located over 100 million plus in previously unknown insurance coverage. They offer a full refund for any inaccurate results and they do not charge for no-hit searches. Additionally, Investigators Toolbox members automatically receive 50% off their first case. Just mention Investigators Toolbox when you fill out your first order. More information can be found at PacificLiability.com. Contact them today and discover the immediate impact that Pacific Liability Research can provide. Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIInstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Let's jump into our next segment. We're welcoming OSINT Combines Chris Poulter. Chris is an osmosis veteran, but he's bringing a whole new teaching this year. His topic is OSINT Capability Development. More with less. 
And welcome to the next segment of PI Perspectives, the Osmosis uh, Edition. Today we're going a little bootleg, uh, trying to figure out and line times up because our, our guest is uh, somebody who's not in New York with me. I want to welcome Chris Poulter back to the program. Chris, how are you? Good, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah, yeah, it's so great to see you. And you know, we got to stop meeting like this. I think it's like this the third time we're chatting about osmosis. Uh, but I actually met you in person originally uh, a while back before you started this uh, OSIN combine business, uh, which has just grown and been amazing and uh, has been very present at all the osmosis uh, conferences. So, for folks who don't know who you are and what you do, why don't you break it down for me a little bit? Yeah, we're an open source intelligence uh, capability provider. Uh, we focus on uh, building enduring OSINT capability within uh, strategically minded organizations. Uh, we've got a team in Australia. We're a global organization, team in Australia, uh, team in the US and, uh, and out in Europe as well now. So um, uh, we, we work across training software and services uh, in a number of capacities and um, you know, really focused on partnership with organizations and um, shared mission objectives. Right. So not only do you train investigators, you're also training businesses um, on, on best practices and and a lot of internal uh, things as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we split across public and private sector. And, um, you know, obviously there's the government space, which is which is a heavy focus, given all of our background and sort of what we do uh, in the commercial space. though, you know, a lot of opportunity there around um, helping organizations build that OSINT capability and going on that pathway from uh that foundational level stuff, which you kind of need tool agnostic, um, uh, fundamental capabilities and, and understanding of not just the intelligence side, but then how OSINT plays a role in that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we we look at how do you scale and uh, create efficiencies in, in your organization and lower the barrier to entry because there's not all, always um, formal training pipelines when people come into the, the commercial space. So how do we do that with software? So you know, we, we have a, uh, our platform, Nexus Explore, and there's a lot of other great platforms out there as well that sort of facilitate people on that tech enablement of their journey. Yeah, I mean that's one thing I can honestly say. I mean, like I follow you on so on your socials, and I'm I'm always seeing the blogs that you guys put out and um, the tools that you're putting out there for the community, and it's so great. And it's like you're throwing things out there, like, "Hey guys, did you know this tool's out there? Can you know you can do this by doing you know doing this certain way, or you can get here, um, you know, make sure we do it." So so the combine's throwing out a lot of free content. But they also have training content as well, and it's it's fantastic, man. I, I'm I'm a big believer from day one with you guys. I, I've I've seen the content you've put out, I've seen the tools, and it's just it's a great thing that you're doing. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, the, the, I mean the OC community is so great, right? Everyone shares knowledge and, and is really open about how we can obviously enhance our skills and work together. And there's so many fantastic practitioners out there. And right. everyone can contribute, which is which is awesome. So yeah, and, you know, we, we love contributing to that, and also what we do on the philanthropic side. So um, yeah, it's definitely a core part of, of who we are. Sure, sure. Now your background, um, I think, was military, if I remember correctly, right? Initially, before you got into the into this field. Correct. Yeah. 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 Great. So you definitely parlayed that into uh, into the private sector, and uh, kind of doing your uh, thing. So. Um, let's talk about osmosis. Um, you're you're teaching a, a track over there called uh, OSINT capability uh, development uh, more with less, right? So what what's the plan? What are you going to cover during that uh, training? Yeah, I mean, when I was when we're looking at the submission of the paper here, uh, or, you know, for the presentation, one of the things was was looking at is uh, obviously reduction of resources, economic headwinds, all those sort of aspects, and so how do organizations start to gear up? Um, for more effective operations in, in you know, I, I guess economic, you know, troubling times or, or, you know, also how do they create scale and efficiency and sort of what they're trying to put forward. So, you know, the idea of doing more with less, I mean, as you sort of mentioned, I come from a military background um, in, in a certain community uh, and did that for over a decade and taking a lot of those sort of lessons learned and applying them to how you can build really small, agile, effective teams that um, that really focus on, the, you know, the outcome and, and, and working together. Uh, and with that, how do you force multiply within yourself and within your own organization? Um, so some things I'll be talking about is, you know, how to how to build one, you know, the enduring capability as opposed to just, just putting a Band-Aid on something. You know, something mm -hmm. we like to focus on is what is the right approach to making sure that this is sustainable? Because there's no point doing something, you know, you might have efficacy and, and um, you know, efficiency, but if it's not enduring, then you're going to have to just resolve this problem later on. So, um, so one of those is looking at, what is the model? Do you can do that? How do you, particularly in the commercial space, right? 
or if you're running your own business or what you're trying to do, because you want to make sure that it's it's repeatable and um and, yeah. and measurable as well, uh, which is which is important. Um, yeah, especially with Dobase, you know, you know AI tools and you know yep. supported analysis and uh, you know, obviously the risks and opportunities that come with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether that's for you know your 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 investigation work, your reporting, your outputs, there's just so much utility in what we can do with Gen AI and things like that. Yeah. And some of the things I'll, I'll, I'll touch on, uh, which I've spoken on a number of webinars now, around how you can leverage your own data and what we can start to do to lower the barrier to entry for uh, non-technical people interrogating really complex data sets using human language. And so it's something that's you know AI can be the scary thing. But what it's actually going to do with this Gen AI side is, is, you know, I'm going to talk about some ideas that you can uh, start to um, leverage and, and get into some insights in data that you may not have been able to before uh, because of the technical barrier. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, you know, just looking at cost-effective me- me- measures and, you know, uh, just using your resources effectively across your organization um, from a design perspective uh, and things that I've sort of seen as a sort of built out of this in Combine and, and how, you, again, you can take that small agile you know sort of sf approach to to, to building teams uh and, and take that forward in organizations because ultimately we you know we want to be able to do more with less um right. and we're going to be expected to do more with less particularly as we start to look at things like the impact of ai um you know, on our roles and, and what the expectations are so keeping up with that efficiency and that speed and that efficacy and, and enduring capabilities is going to be really important yeah man i think everybody uh you know when when the buzzword started coming out right ai right there was an oh crap moment, I think, from a lot of us in our industry. Like, is this going to affect us, you know, in a negative way? Um, are we going to be out of a job? Are there is there no longer going to be a need for somebody? And I think, you know, it's it's showing itself that uh, it's not quite there yet. And there there's definitely room for us to uh, to verify, right? It's all this you know, trust but verify, right? <laughs> we needed need that human eye, need that human element to. Um, really call through the results and making sure um what it's spitting out is is correct but there 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 are definitely ways that you can use it to, to make yourself more efficient so i'm definitely looking forward to learning more about that in uh in your training um what what do you hope that folks walk away from your class with uh, after sitting through uh you know what do, what do you what are you hoping to um give them in your teaching uh yeah, it, I think the, the biggest thing is, to your point there, around um, these new emerging technologies are going to be supportive in nature, uh, and they are supportive, uh, you know, depending on how you use them. So hopefully some ideation um, sparks some ideas and some some thoughts into how people can apply them in their organization and walk away with an understanding of if I'm going to build, uh, if I want to have an enduring capability versus, you know, uh, putting out spot fires, how much thought and depth needs to go into that and how we can model that effectively. Um, and, and, and again, to your point, highlighting the importance of when people are walking away, highlighting the importance of the analyst in today and the, the future world. Like the, the analyst is going to be more important than ever because of the ability and the requirement to verify information effectively. That's going to be a lot of it, you know, sort of computer and AI generated. So um, it's emphasizing that we can use those tools to create scale and efficiency and help us, you know, get down the, the road faster. But the requirement to to, to verify and, and and ensure efficacy of what we're putting forward um, means that the human in that process is is more critical now than it ever has been before. Um, yep. And so, looking at when you're building organizations, and the so what of that is when you're building out your organizations, walk away with an understanding of making sure we value people uh, because people are always going to be the center of the organization. But then, how do you invest in them to make them the most effective for what you need to do uh, as you sort of you know do more with less, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it kind of touches on the theme from last year with with osmosis, which is pretty much methodology, right? The tools are always going to change, but having your processes and procedures on how to do things, you know, learning the correct way to actually create that flow chart as opposed to using that particular tool. I think it's just this is one further year into all this and and continuing to learn how to, how to do it. And and we've seen right the buzzword last year is metaverse, right? Everything's going into the metaverse. Uh, then you see the metaverse is dead now everything's in in ai so it, it is changing right the platforms um are, are coming and going and uh putting these procedures in place and 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 having tools like the osint combine to help you get there and, and sustain you know i i keep hearing that theme over and over from you right sustainability right you don't want that one job and, and out you want to be known as the problem solver for the next problem that comes out right 
Um, and and that's how you get ahead in the game and, and how you stick around in the game, right? Absolutely, yeah, Ab- absolutely. And, and like I said, the Minos environment changes so quickly. Being adaptable to that and 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 yeah, you know, a key part I'll, I will speak about is um uh, the adaptability of the analyst to pivot when new platforms come out and tools can't solve those problems. And so yeah, yeah, you're right. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun talk. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking to her. I, I love when you, you come and chat. I, I always tell people like Osa, uh, Osmosis is usually like the one conference you're not going to find me outside uh, during the talks. I usually sit in on in all yeah. of them because I want to know what's going on. I want to know what the, the latest things are. And, uh, you know, they're always in fun cities, but the the the, the training is always like it's well worth it uh, to learn about things, even things that I don't do. I just want to know who can do them. Uh, and what cool tools are out there to to solve problems, right? We all like to be problem solvers. That's why we got into this business. So, um, again, thanks, uh, thanks for ta- you coming on board, uh, Chris, and um, you know, giving us a little uh, little sneak peek of what uh, what, you, what uh, you're going to be talking about. And uh, I encourage folks to go, uh, you know, check out the Osmosis Conference. Um, it's going to be in New Orleans this year, and uh, it's going to be a good time. So, Chris, thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in New Orleans. All right. Take care. Are you drowning in fees with your current provider? IRB Search offers the highest quality data at the most competitive prices. Founded by investigators for investigators, IRB is tailored specifically toward helping you close your cases. We're currently offering PI Perspective listeners an exclusive 30-day free trial of our system. So simply go to irbsearch.com and apply using the promo code PIP30 to claim this promotion. So we are talking about Crosstracks. Crosstracks is a sponsor for uh, Investigators Toolbox and PI Perspectives. We've got Steve Mason here. Steve's been a, uh, a longtime client of Crosstracks. Tell me the benefits of uh, case management. For me, it's basically being able to keep track every single thing that's going on with the case, whether it's notes, documents, sending or receiving new case information, you know, because clients can create custom logins, securing the data. From a business perspective, it's just, it's really the easiest way to maintain your data, to access your data anywhere. I mean, you can be on vacation and pull up a case note remotely, securely, even just tracking how many cases you've worked for a certain client, how much money you build them. I mean, it's, there's so many tools that I just, I really don't know how you can get by without a, of case management system like Crosstracks. Yeah, definitely. And they are SOC 2 certified, which is important when you're working with insurance companies and and protecting information that's uh, readily available there. If you're looking to take your investigative company to the next level, you got to be organized. And the only way you're going to be organized is using a case management system. And for me, hands down, Crosstracks is the one to go with. So again, they are a sponsor of uh, PI Perspectives and part of Investigators Toolbox. You receive discounts for using their services through, uh, through both those platforms. So check it out today and we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. And we're back with the final segment this week. We are joined by Shadow Dragon's David Wells. David has an interesting class on keyword searches and how important it is the way you define your search. This topic is live or die by your keywords. Please welcome David Wells. And welcome everyone to the next segment of PI Perspectives, the Osmosis Edition 2023. Uh, Today we have David Wells with us. Um, David's got a very interesting background. He's uh, been doing OSINT for a very long time before... uh, before people knew it was cool, <laughs> before people even knew what OSINT was. Um, mm-hmm. David, I want to welcome you to the program. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, um, I do want to address what you just said. Yeah, I've been doing OSINT for a while. I think even before OSINT was really a thing that a lot of people really thought about or were concerned themselves with. Uh, probably right. my favorite story. So uh, back in 2005, I'm doing this uh, FTX and interestingly enough, you know, when you are a intelligence analyst, when you're back in the States doing the FTXs, you don't have your high side systems. You don't all have all that other data to right. support. Really, it's just a training exercise. So you've got the Internet. And I remember this very uh, distinctly. We had a sergeant major one that does to make some maps of the area. Again, we don't have the high side systems. So, so what do we have? We had Google Maps. Right. So I took a picture, uh, took a screenshot of the area, uh, sent it to him, and his immediate feedback was, I don't want any of this Google Maps BS. And he didn't say BS. Right. So we're kind of scratching our heads like, all right, what can we possibly do? 
Well, I kind of looked at him like, well, how does he actually know this is Google Maps? Well, there's a Google Maps watermark down there in the bottom right-hand corner. So I basically took the exact same image, got rid of that Google Maps watermark, gave it to me, didn't think twice of it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. but back then, you know, if you if you got stuff off the internet, like that was useless. It was even worse than useless. It was just pure BS. I thought you were going to say you asked Jeeves to get you a photo and he, and he gave you a photo. <laughs> yeah, That's where I thought you were going. <laughs> Um, hey, listen, we had to do what we had to do back then. I mean, exactly. Uh, honestly, back then I was probably using Hagstrom maps to get around doing field work. Um, oh, yeah. Work. Um, just getting into that whole GPS thing and figuring out what that was about. So technology has definitely taken us for a ride here. Um, you know, now it's all chat GPT and uh, AI. And that's this is the future um, mm-hmm. in such a short time. Yeah, we, we got here, you know, in, in, the, oh, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, how we're doing. Um, so uh, you're you're talking about um, live or die by keywords in keyword mm-hmm. searches, right? And, you know, this is something that I think like not a lot of people grasp how important that is. Uh, and, and really, when you're running a search, you know, being a specific and then wildcarding when you need to wildcard or or considering different things. So uh, tell me a little bit about the class, what your plans are to talk about. Oh, yeah. So uh, kind of what you said, a lot of people don't really appreciate how important keywords are. And I'll tell you, with my own background, with the background of a lot of the people I've trained in the past, uh, they come from those places where they have access to that high side data. They have some sort of proprietary data. And to put it diplomatically, it makes them think they, they're smarter than they are. Right. What I mean by that is, you know, when you're talking about that high side data that a lot of people from the military have, you're talking about information that is gathered by million dollar assets flying overhead, specifically pointed at places where we have a very good indicator that there's good intelligence that's coming out of here. Or likewise, uh, they've got an interrogator that is talking to somebody that was picked up on a site and they know he's got good information, but also the interrogators are very skilled. They know what questions to ask. So when they actually read those reports, they can kind of assume that, you know, most of the data they're looking at is pretty legitimate. It's pretty valuable. Obviously, they still have to validate it. But you're looking at the range of like 90 to 99% of all the data from these different databases you have at least being relevant. Maybe not 100% being accurate. Maybe needing some research to actually validate. But at least the data you get back when you do those initial searches is relevant to your mission. Right. Suddenly people flip to that OSINT realm and they've got Google in front of them and they interact with it in the same way they would that search bar with those classified databases. And then they get very confused about why they're getting millions of results back, but rather than that paradigm where 99% of the data is useful and 1% is irrelevant, it's right. literally flipped on its head where 99% is irrelevant and 1% is useful. Right. And it's how do you actually find that 1%? And most of the time, it's actually having those appropriate keywords. Because what you realize is no matter the organization, no matter the community, even just a small friend group, eventually, if you spend enough time together, you're going to start to develop your own lingo. And again, the military is a great example of this. Sure. Haven't been in for a while, but I've still got all those acronyms rattling around in my head. <laughs> I talk to my wife and I'll throw off an acronym here and there. And she'll just look at me cross-eyed and say, what are you talking about? Right, right. (laughs) Oh, that's right. You are not part of that community. And if I wanted to find, be it on Twitter, be it on Instagram, be it just a Google search of those communities, I wouldn't search army. I wouldn't search military intelligence. I wouldn't search, you know, 82nd. I would start throwing in those specific acronyms. That would get me that more relevant information for that community. Right. That's true with the army. That's true with almost anybody else that you're looking online. How are they actually talking and where are they talking? Yeah. So it's like specific keywords to drill down and really, you know, find what you're looking mm-hmm. for essentially. Right. Without a doubt. And it seems very simple. And to some degree, it definitely is. Uh, the problem is I think people get sold a lot on the technology that is put in front of them. Uh, I used to train people that, they got toolkits that easily cost $100,000, which you would think if you're spending $100,000, it's going to do all the work for you. Right. At least that's what a lot of people seem to think. And after two weeks of training with these different tools, I would peek over people's shoulders. And a lot of this was occurring while uh, ISIS was 
the focus of everybody, the topic of everybody's focus. Mm-hmm. I look over their shoulders and guess what keyword they had in their searches? ISIS. ISIS or <laughs> ISIS. And if you think about it, like, does ISIS actually refer to themselves as ISIS in most of their communications? No, they don't. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So we had to take that step back and say, all right, how do we actually find those conversations that happen? And you don't immediately find them. It's not like, all right, well, I know that ISIS is communicating here, so I'll just look specifically where they're communicating. Because right. once you found that, your job is pretty much done. Right. Your job is to find those little pieces of data that kind of give you those indicators. And it might be somebody else reporting on, hey, here's what ISIS said in their latest The Beak magazine. And you're like, all right, well, here's The Beak magazine. Let me start looking through this for words and phrases that might be of interest to me. Yeah. And a lot of times the easiest way to dis- def- decide if something is going to be of interest to you as you're looking through that document, as you're looking through that Twitter post, kind of look and say, what stands out to me that I don't recognize? Right. And you'll find this a lot. Best place I find to do this, at least just to practice, is go to 4chan. If you spend five seconds on 4chan and you are not a devoted 4chan or devoted yeah. chan or whatever they call themselves, yeah. you're going to look through there and within like three posts, you're going to find a series of words that you're like, what are they possibly referring to? Yeah. Once well, you find I mean, those... The- that's, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, and that's kind yeah. of the next point here, right? Understanding the slang um, and the yeah. different terminologies, I mean, is is key, right? You, you almost have to know who you're looking for and know how they communicate. Uh, I mean, you even throw emojis in there too. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, that's a whole nother you know, avenue of, of, of things, right? Certain images mean certain things, right? And if you're not that, yep. on top of that, or if you think it means something different than it actually does mean, um, that could steer your investigation in a completely different direction, right? Oh, without it. And a lot of that kind of comes down to experience. Again, I've been doing this for a while, so I'll sit in front of classes. And I, big part of me is I love doing live demonstrations. Mm-hmm. In fact, the class that I just taught uh, two days ago, six hours long, class started with a PowerPoint slide, finished with that PowerPoint slide. I said, congratulations, everyone. That's the last PowerPoint slide you're going to see for the class. Everything else was live on the internet. But with that downside, or with that being said, the internet, you get random stuff popping up. Sadly enough, more than once, uh, there has been some full frontal nudity in front of my classes. Oh, yeah. Live internet. Yeah. Hello. Everybody's adults. Uh, Nobody's got too angry at me at that because it wasn't anything that I purposely showed them. Yeah. Uh, But a lot of times I'll be looking at something like, oh, that's very, very interesting. You know, they happen to use like this specific word or this specific phrase or, you know, there's that alt-right ideal uh, iconography in there. Like, you know, the user handle is Arian1488 or something, maybe not that obvious. I'll look at them like, oh, I want to investigate this person further. And a lot of people in the class will go, well, why do you care about that? What specifically jumped out to you? Right. And I have to take a step back and say, all right, well, it's important to me because I've been doing this for a while. And once again, I've learned to kind of identify that lingo, those quote-unquote crypto-Nazi sort of insignia that they're posting online. And as soon as I see it, I know that it's somebody I want to dig into further. Yeah. I you're just beginning your investigation. A lot of it is learning that. I think a lot of these people, they, they, they generally think they're, they're smarter than you. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, look at me. I'm going to be creative and I'm going to put this, you know, you know, crypto type, uh, you know, thing in here where, uh, you know, only I know about it <laughs> or, you know, look how yeah. I am, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you come across that a lot and, oh, yeah. uh, it's almost like the Riddler, right? Here, here, you, here here's the old guy here. <laughs> Can you figure it out? You know what I'm really trying to say and really trying to do, right? It's a challenge. Yeah. I actually saw that very blatantly once, you know, again, referencing 4chan. And I don't think this one ever took off, but uh, they even the poster even said, hey, um, seems like all of the normies, term they like to use, uh, have figured out are the ways we are currently referencing Jewish people and minorities. So here's a suggested list. Uh, and they actually use jewels supposedly to represent different minorities. And I cannot even begin to remember what it was, but exactly said, like they were trying to be smarter than everybody else. They still wanted to communicate on that more open web and right. communicate openly, but they wanted to communicate in such a way that the, the other people with the same mindset could instantly find them. But to the rest of the world, they're going, why is everybody talking about diamonds and emeralds? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you as know, soon as you recognize, you're like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You are not as clever as you think you are. Right. There's only one Moriarty and he's dead. So yeah, <laughs> let's exactly. leave him alone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think also throwing into the, the, the factor consideration um, that not everybody speaks English too, you know, who you're yes. looking at, right? And that's a whole nother factor too, different languages and understanding, you know, if you're looking at somebody that, that speaks Arabic or, or another language, um, you know, you know, understanding exactly what you're looking for, right? Oh yeah, the language is definitely a big uh, stopping block for a lot of people. Thankfully, we do have things like Google Translate, Bing Translate, mm. and the dozen other translating tools that have become much better than they used to be. Sure. But you don't want to just count on that automatic translation. Say, yep, what Google is saying is a uh, 100% contextually accurate right. version of what they are, uh, what they actually mean. Right. Um, but it does get you further than if you just had to spend years learning the language it yourself. But again, there are kind of like some other indicators while you're looking at it uh, that you might have something of interest to you. A big one for me is if I'm using Google Translate and Google doesn't know how to translate a word, that's a big red flag for me because uh, at this point, you know, Google has an absurd amount of data that it's been able to train its language tools on. If it if there's a word in there that it doesn't recognize, that's probably a pretty unique word. And it could be something as just as simple as a misspelling. Yeah a common word but those misspellings kind of tend to per- perpetuate across those communities or it's that slang term right. now there are pitfalls in that from time to time um classic example i sadly spent more time than i wish i would have investigating this but once again i kept looking at these translations and one word popped up over and over again like it was used in almost every isis uh tweet that they were sending out and because it's being used so much and because Google wasn't able to translate it, I said, this has to be something of utility to me. Throwing in all the different translations I could, could not figure out what it was even just in context. Finally happened to use this other tool that uh, rather than translating the way that a lot of others do, it phonetically translated it. So I looked at the phonetic translation and I'm kind of trying to sound it out in my head. I'm like, all right, hash, tug, hash. And finally it clicked. It was just a phonetic translation of the word hashtag. hashtag. They were saying hashtag. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, luckily enough, I haven't run into anything like that too much. But again, <laughs> you do get those issues with the machine translation where uh, they're just leading you down a rabbit hole because machines are never going to be as good as humans, no matter what the chat GPT evangelists are telling you. I wonder if uh, super califragilisticexpialidocious is actually in Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> who knows yeah, good <laughs> question. those uh, un- unrecognizable uh, words yeah. so um dave wh- what do you want people to walk away from your class with uh from osmosis big thing is i want them to appreciate uh how powerful like the human mind actually is and it goes back to what i was saying about these people getting you know hundreds of thousands or even just like thousands of dollars worth of tools mm-hmm. and thinking that their tools are going to um replicate what the human mind can do at most and at best, what I find the tools will do is they will help you um, automate those more manual processes mm-hmm. and quantify those things that you as a human probably just don't have time to do, even if it's just a matter of counting up what word is being used the most in creating a word cloud. Right. But as far as a human goes, being able to look at a block of text and get 10 paragraphs in and say, hey, this is a unique word. I want to follow this word. And also identifying those unique communities that I'm going to want to follow. Can right. you throw a machine, you throw a machine at it? The best that they have is that training library that is for the most part, how humans normally speak. Ironically enough, when you're searching for those keywords, you are looking for those outliers. You are looking for those ways that humans do not normally speak. It's almost the opposite ways in which computers are usually trained, especially when you're talking about, something like chat GPT. Sure. And I know a lot of people would probably tell you, oh yeah, you can use chat GPT to generate a list of keywords. Well, you can, but if I tell chat GPT to generate a list of keywords being used by, you know, Russian Wagner group mercenaries, it probably doesn't have access to those uh, unique telegram channels, unique discord groups right. where those Russian mercenaries are hanging out at. Yeah. You'll get so a whole bunch of uh, Robert yeah. Wagner quotes in there. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's good. That would be very possible too. Yeah, it's probably just going to scan Twitter, scan whatever database it has, and generally list you those more common words 
in a lot of cases, not that the Wagner Group mercenaries themselves are using, but the people that use to refer to those Wagner Group mercenaries. Right, right. Yeah. So that, and that that's getting closer to the 99 and further away from the 1%, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that can be useful, at least if you're finding those people talking about them, you can get to that step where they're referencing those conversations. Now that you have those reference conversations for themselves, you do that step to find those unique keywords. Right, right. Well, Dave, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and just giving us a little uh, sneak peek of everything. Um, so folks, it, it, the Osmosis Conference is October 15th through the 17th. In New Orleans, um, I encourage you to go check it out. Um, there'll be links in the uh, on the website um, where you can go and register. It's a great conference. It's their ninth annual. Um, I've probably yeah. been to about six of them, uh, so uh, it, it's it's just a great time. And you really learn about all this stuff. Right? I mean, the content and how they're pushing things um, every year. There's just fresh mm-hmm. speakers, fresh content. Really, uh, really good stuff. So I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Uh, Dave and uh, you know having a good time uh, down in in New Orleans. So thank you so much for coming on. You as well. Yeah, thank you very much. And I will see you there. All right, great. Take care, everyone. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. This was a good way to kick off our Osmosis 23 series. Jeff does an amazing thing, helping so many. Consider participating in school games if you do OSINT. Chris is an industry giant, and David is going to have an incredibly helpful class for researchers. Toolbox members can also save $100 when they sign up for Osmosis. Details are in the discounts and benefits section on the site. We want to thank Campbell Insurance Group for sponsoring the show. Remember to tell them you listen to save $50 when you apply for insurance. Additional thanks to our newest sponsor, Pacific Liability Research, PI Institute for Education, and IRB for sponsoring our show. Also, don't forget about investigatorstoolbox.com. You can type in version 2.0, 25% to save 50 bucks when you join. If you have a question or a comment about the show, just email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. And you can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back next week with a new show, so make sure you tune in and stay safe out there. <laughs>